America, Washington, D.C., signing on. Episode of Radio Contra, the podcast of AmericanPartisan.org, hosted by me, the Commandante of the Mossy Oak Militia, whose resistor symbol has famously appeared on the FBI's MVE list. And of course, we are all domestic extremists now, according to President Joe Biden. You know, it is a, a very interesting state of affairs in which we find ourselves today, and we're going to be talking about the looming civil insurrection, this this national divorce, the language, the tone that's coming out of Washington that really is not seeking any sort of reconciliation, that is so quick to label you and I as extremists and as those no longer worthy of living in the same world as they. Because as we know, as President Biden has said, we're a direct threat to their democracy. Of course, whatever democracy it is, is open to very interesting interpretation. Of course, we talked about this in the last episode with Mike Belcher. He went very deep into that. And Today, in this episode, I'm joined by a guy that is a household name everywhere across America, the best-selling author of the Going Home series, Angry American himself, Mr. Chris Weatherman. What's up, brother? What is up, my fellow extremist, radical, you know, um, uh, shitster? (laughs) (laughs) I prefer they call us everything. I'm trying to come up with new terms, man. So new terms, man. I I prefer counter-revolutionary. It, it's you know radio contra. Well, there you go. Counter-revolution. It is it is odd when when we made that swing to the right to be the counterculture. You know. Mm-hmm. I, and I imagine most people didn't even see it when it happened. They didn't notice it or, or pick up on it. It was it was a shocking development to me. Right. Well, how how Main Street America now became the pariah and evil and threat to democracy, because that's exactly what's happened. And, you know, it's it's a very sad and fearful state of affairs where we are, what they're telegraphing, what they're talking about. You know, you you've had a very long-term view about all this you've turned it into a a best-selling book series um you know 
your your thoughts on this and and you know it it seems like we're kind of all over the place but really we're not first and foremost your reaction to the speech coming from joe biden last night your thoughts oh it 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 had um it was reminiscent of of a hitler or a stalin speech you know there was a lot of uh, production value there with the red lighting and the Marines behind them and all this stuff. Um, and, it, and it's almost like I saw one tweet today that said uh, that now they're embracing the dark Brandon mean thing uh, and that they ran with it. Um, to, to anybody with, with a thinking brain who can, who can think critically, in my opinion, it's very clear that it was essentially a declaration of war. I mean, I hate to say that, and it sounds a little hyperbolic, but what else can you do there when when the, the sitting president of the country comes out and says a quarter of the population are a problem and they need to be excised like a cancer that, you know, it's fairly obvious. I mean, my old man used to say everybody understands plain talk. That's pretty plain talk, you know. Um, and it's like we, you know, you've said this. I've been saying it for years. They will always tell us what they're going to do before they do it. And they're just telling us what they're going to do. Yeah, I don't think I don't think it's going to be as easy and as they think it will be in their minds. Um, I think they're going to have a hell of a lot harder time than they ever envisioned. And I also do not believe they will be successful. My opinion. Yeah, I don't, I don't think they will either. I mean, when as as history provides, when you've declared war on essentially half the population, and I would say more than half the population today, because I promise you. And this is, I, I recognize that, that there will be people in, in our audience that disagrees with this, but I promise you that there are some mainstream Democrats out there. The last holdouts will say maybe the Joe Manchin uh, voter base that's out there that, that, you know, they, they aren't conservative necessarily, but they are the working class. They are the uh, blue dog Democrats, which was, you know, the phrase of, of the, the 90s you know, this populist base. And they've seen that and they're feeling the pain on Main Street and they're no longer willing to accept the lies that we've been fed. And they're saying, you know, hey, you know, I I didn't really like Trump for a lot of reasons. You know, I didn't like Trump. I didn't like his rhetoric. I didn't like things he said. Maybe even, you know, some of the stuff that I saw that was occurring during the Trump years that I didn't like. But this is even worse. And that language, that red backdrop, that was just a disaster. It was an optics disaster by anybody's uh, estimation. This this is all very disturbing things. And and so, you know, here we are. They're essentially saying, the left is saying, the Civil War is inevitable at this point. It's very ironic that they are saying that the right's the ones is calling for violence. When we've done no such thing, they're the ones who have not just called for violence, but they have committed political violence, many, many such cases. And we now find ourselves with, with essentially uh, waking up to dog whistles that are legitimizing that violence. What say you? Oh, they, they absolutely are. It, it's, it's really mind boggling and, and, and on, a, on one level kind of terrifying that Biden stands up and makes all these accusations against the right. It's right out of rules for radical, you know, radicals, uh, you know, blame the things you're doing on your opposition. And when you go down the list, they're literally 
placing the blame for the actions that they're conducting at our feet. We're not conducting those things. We're not doing. They're the ones that call for political violence. They're the ones that allowed people to protest in front of Supreme Court justices' homes, which is a felony. But they didn't stop it. They encouraged it. You know, uh, the, the left, and I've said this for years, the left operates off of the mantra of I have spoke, therefore it is so. Repeat the lie long enough, it becomes fact. And, and an example of that is something I put out to my patrons yesterday. I'm going to read this to you. You've probably seen it before. But this is November 7th, 2020. Joe Biden sent out this tweet. I pledge to be a president who seeks not to divide, but unify, who doesn't see red and blue states, but a United States, and who will work with all my heart to win the confidence of the people. Well, on August 25th in Rockville, Maryland, he said this. We're at a serious moment in our nation's history. The MAGA Republicans don't just threaten our personal rights and economic security. They're a threat to our very democracy. They refuse to accept the will of the people. They embrace political violence. Uh, in 2016, the left did not accept the results of an election. Um, then the next election comes around. We don't want to accept the results of the election with proven fraud. Anybody who's watched 2000 Mules understands the level of fraud committed there. And but we're the ones that don't want to accept the outcome of an election. They're just setting the table so that in 2024, actually 2022 and 2024, um, this November and the presidential election, that when the elections don't go their way, they can come out and say, see, we told you they were going to take it because that's the method they use. That's why I'm always telling people they're going to forecast what they're doing. They're going to tell you what they're doing. That way, when they do it, you go, oh, yeah, they've been saying this for six months or whatever. And, and, and look, they're right. No. <laughs> they told you what they were going to do, prepped you for that psychologically so that when they did it, you would have that reaction of going, they were right. It really happened. No, it's because they planned it and executed it. That's why they knew it was going to happen. No, I agree. And and one of the takeaways, which I discussed last night on uh, Sons of Liberty, when I, I gave a, a Patriots rebuttal to the speech was the suppression of, of voter rights. And, and to, to be perfectly clear, what they're specifically referencing is the voter ID law in Georgia. They're saying that, that there is voter suppression that, that has been occurring. There is no voter suppression that's occurring. You have to have an ID for literally every function of adulthood. You know, you, you, you have to have a photo, photo ID. It is not difficult to ask for this, but yet they do not want that because it's another measure of tampering with the votes. It's another measure of tampering with elections and, and a reduction in election transparency. So this is going to be, as you're pointing out, this is going to be the, the um, I, I would say one of their talking points, if the election doesn't go their way. And I say if, because we, we did not get to the bottom of the election fraud in 2020. What's to say that we're going to have a free and fair election in 2022? Oh, I, I doubt seriously that we're going to have a, a honest, legitimate election. Um, the, the, the skullduggery in, in the last election pretty much lays bare. They got away with it. They know they got away with it. They know they can get away with it. And they're going to continue to do that. Um, they want to be in perpetual power in this country. You know, you're seeing op-eds. I don't know if you've seen them. I've seen them where New York Times, WAPO, people like that are doing op-eds, editorials and stuff saying that Biden needs to suspend the elections to save our democracy. Now, they're accusing Trump, saying he was going to suspend the, the elections to destroy our democracy. So these short-sighted, narrow-minded people, it's okay when it's my guy saying these outrageous things. And that's the problem. 
the other side of it is is this this war that they're starting and that's what it is folks uh, you know i said that yesterday that that after last night you know and joe dolio said the same thing that, that we're at war it, it may you know hot or cold whatever you want to call it at the moment i'm going to call it a warm conflict but we are legitimately at war the problem that the left has is who's going to fight their war because they just think that the army and the police are going to come out and do it and right with the damage done to DOD in recent years, yeah, there's going to be some elements in there that will follow those orders, but I'm not particularly worried about those elements because um, they're not real pipe hitters, you know, in that regard. Then you look at how they how the administration has demonized the SF community, um, you know, how they keep trying to run those guys out. They've gotten rid of all the good officers. So we have high-quality leaders who have been banished from the government um, been labeled as extremists. So whose side do you think they're going to take? We, we'll have the advantage. Right. And a vast segment of our population, you know, the extremists, we've been preparing for this. Lord knows, I and mean, you know better than anybody, we train. We go out and do stuff. We're getting ready. Um, you know, we're working on communications and, and equipment and, you know, um, ops plans and all kinds of stuff. To, to be ready for this we're preparing for it they're sitting around saying we can't wait when for someone to get rid of these people well who the hell is someone right yeah and, and you know they it, it's very interesting to me I, i've seen a lot of uh, the things over on twitter the stuff that's been posted up a lot of these these leftists and and it's very funny correlation to me uh not ha ha but but hmm that they all have Ukrainian flags. I find that very, very interesting. Um, and yet none of them, not, not a single one of them have, have went and fought in Ukraine. Uh, but, and that's a good thing. I don't want them to go fight in Ukraine. I don't want anybody to go fight in Ukraine. Uh, but it, it's just very interesting to me that there's always these projectionist fantasies these people are having. Of course, you have uh, people like Jennifer Rubin, who took immediately to Twitter uh, calling for mass arrests of conservatives, saying that this was the path forward. Of course, she deleted that tweet, but not before we got it. And it has been spread far and wide by people, including myself. There's been a lot of people on social media. There's been a lot of people in the alternative media that put this out there. Folks are taking the mask off. Right, they're calling for these mass arrests, but who are going to be doing these mass arrests? Is it going to be the police that they fired during the height of the COVID? Uh, the, the COVID hysteria, is it going to be the police that are doing nothing that are allowing for uh, riots and everything to run unabated in the streets of Chicago, New York City, Portland, Seattle, Dallas, uh, Atlanta, every one of these cities, these urban hell holes that are all creations of the Democrat Party. They're all creations of bad policy that they have put into effect. But they've done this on purpose, and this shouldn't be a surprise to anybody who is awake, number one, and has paid attention to things that I've put out in the past and other people have as well, such as watching the Battle of Algiers. You know, if you haven't watched that, you need to go back and look at that. How did they build their insurgency? They built the, ins the, the FLN, built their insurgency through criminals, right? That's exactly what the left in America has done now, and they've really set the stage for that. Where do you see this going? Sadly, on the trajectory it's currently on, it leads to one place, and, it, and that's civil conflict. Um, 
you know, the the left has, has weaponized every institution of government. The only one that they that they hate at the moment is the Supreme Court because they have no control over that. But then you, you you see people, you know, that 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 ignorant bartender Ocasio Cortez come out and say things like, "It is the responsibility of the president and Congress to control the Supreme Court." And it's like, no, that's exactly not the responsibility. It's the polar opposite, you dummy. Um, and and all of these people that are pushing for this socialist, Marxist, communist revolution here in the United States that they, they want this shit so bad have never lived under it, um, have never experienced it, and they only point to the good examples of of socialism light. You know, some of the Northern European countries that have you know, um, universal medical care and things like that. They point to those aspects of it, but they leave out the hundreds of millions of dead left in the wake of, of communism globally. And, and they, they somehow think that they're on the right side too. They, they, these obviously are not students of history and they don't read very much. They should really look up the term useful idiots to get a picture of their future and where, where, what lays before them. Um, they'll probably be surprised to see it's the bottom of a damn ditch, you know, I agree. Unfortunately, unfortunately, and yeah. and it, it 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 seems like that's how the, these things continue to go. They're not students of history for sure, because if if they were, these would be the last things they would be calling for because they know how this ends. But the hubris of the left, the hubris of the Marxist, of the communist, is that that we'll try it better next time. That we'll build utopia next time. We'll do it next time. And and it just seems like that that they're tone deaf to the reality that this is not an ideal type that's ever going to be reached, not with a substantial amount of blood. And I don't think that they care. No, they, they don't care because so and again, let's just dig a little deeper. Let's look at the people that are that are really calling for this. It's it's younger generations presently. Um, who are idealistic, who have been told them their whole lives that they're all winners. Um, you, you know, and every society has been forced to yield at their feet for everything that they find uncomfortable um, or that hurts their feelings or, or anything to this effect. They've grown up in a nanny state, and to them, the natural evolution of things is a greater and greater nanny state. Um, I'm, a, I'm a champion of individual liberty. I believe people should be able to do as they please, as long as what they're doing does not infringe on the liberty of another. That's how I see things. But with liberty comes responsibility. You're responsible for your actions. You're responsible for the shit you do and say, you know, um, and, and responsibility is what these people fear more than anything. Because if they're doing what they're told, they're not responsible for any of the decision making process leading up to that. And that is what they don't want. That's a certainly an interesting point of view that, that there is a inherent lack of responsibility. And that's something that I've seen put on repeat over and over again. I mean, you're a businessman, your bottom line, your income, your financial future is all wholly dependent upon you, actions you take or fail to take. Um, and when, when you look at these people, very rarely will you find an entrepreneur, at least the ones who are honest about it. They, they and when I say that, I mean, of course, you have very notable leftists like Mark Cuban, who uh, I think is is uh, very ironic for a number of reasons. But he advocates these policies, 
but he's well insulated from all of them. He's he's certainly an eye uh, living in in his own ivory tower and and of course his policies it it is uh very beneficial to him to take these sorts of positions but he is an anomaly the the mainstream left winger out there who is cheerleading statements like uh Biden saying he's going to use F15s on people like you and I with impunity by the way with impunity and that's a very important statement to make with impunity that they they are cheerleading these things on. It's not just that it's disturbing. It's that they have never had to be held to account for anything in their lives. And whatever jobs they have held have been things that, that are relatively unimportant that in the big scheme of things that, you know, they, they're usually governmental positions where they can't get fired or, they, you know, there's some other circumstance that is absent those those very very real and very very critical consequences of failure and they've been removed from that as you point out they've been removed from that for their entire lives so it's very easy and very comfortable for them to hold these positions absent any sort of consequences right and and you know you mentioned that they take a lot of them take government jobs and you're right they do or or with nonprofits and ngos or very remedial service um, sector jobs, you know, baristas. How many times do we hear that little moniker hung on them? You know, uh, oh, yeah. everybody needs a title. You can't just say I work at Starbucks. No, I'm a barista, you know, or Subway. I'm a sandwich artist. You no, know, you, you make fucking sandwiches. <laughs> Shut up and get back in the kitchen. Um, Sir, I will not have you denigrate the good people of Subway. Okay. <laughs> they are artists. They are modern day Picassos of they, the cold they, cut they, they they make the greatest mediocre sandwich on the planet. On the planet. <laughs> on the planet. Okay. I'm telling you, if if they one one step to, to get on a little tangent, one step to improve Subway, start wrapping them sandwiches in foil. If you wrap them sandwiches in foil and you put a fat dude standing outside of every Subway eating it out of the foil, that's that's business right there. They, I'm telling you, their profitability is going to go up a hundredfold. <laughs> I'm just telling you. Yeah, you're right. You're, you're absolutely right. Hire that dude, a fat dude in a track suit with a gold chain on and a watch eating a sandwich out of out of some wrap full outside of a, a subway, any subway. And I'm telling you, it's gonna people are going to be like, man, that sandwich probably ain't so bad. I'm going to go in there. I'm going to give me that cold cut trio. Just yeah, if I was if, if I was Subway's marketing guy or, or or locations acquisitions dude, I would I would look up where all the Weight Watchers buildings are and open my store next to that in the same plaza. Yeah, and then, man. I mean, and then put that guy out front. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, like like what what Subway said back in the day, like like a decade ago. Oh, you can. Who was that guy, Jared? Jared, yeah. Jared, yeah. Jared, the child molester. Yeah, yeah. Back, the better ass. Yeah. You know, yeah, uh, a pedophile. But anyway, he's he's like, oh, you know, I lost so much weight eating Subway. You didn't lose all that weight eating Subway, man. Come on. Oh, he lost all that weight chasing children around to rape. Apparently. apparently <laughs> you know, like he disappeared quick. Yeah, prison and, will do that to you. Yeah, the, the the lexicon. He 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 disappeared from the lexicon of of Americanism. Oh yeah. Uh, and, and and what a success story he was too, actually, you know. Yeah. It goes to show yeah. the level of depravity in society at the moment, which, as we're watching, is being 
hurriedly advanced and promoted. Um, I saw a tweet the other day that says now, um, basically, I forget what they call it. They call it a different name, but bestiality, essentially sex with the animals, will be the last um, domino to fall. That'll go down, too, and it'll become normal like it should be, you know. Because um, now the pedophiles, they want to use every name but pedophile, and they're trying to normalize that, saying that children, you know, they can consent. Uh, and there's nothing wrong with being attracted to children and all this stuff. These sick-ass people. You know, it's – you look at Rome and, and you look at us, like, you look back and forth and you're just like – it's kind of like you're going, no, no, no. Because <laughs> you can watch it in real time. I, I told Mel yesterday, we were watching some of Biden's speech, some clips of it. And I said, you are watching a civil war start in real time right now. Everybody's going to look around when it kicks off and be like, how did this happen? Well, you know – if you've been paying attention, you don't have that question. You know, yesterday morning you called me and you told me that. Yeah. You, know, you, you called me and, you know, I, I was in the middle of, of taking care of some stuff and, and you know, you know, picked up the phone. And you, and that was literally the first thing out of your mouth. You said, we are seeing a civil war, the opening salvo right now. You yeah. know, people think that the civil war began with the, the firing on Fort Sumter in South Carolina. And that's not true. You know, the Civil War began with the Missouri Compromise of 1856. Yes. A very strong case can be made that the, the Civil War began six years prior to that, specifically, and and the events that led up to violence in Missouri and bleeding Kansas in the decade, yep. you know, that, that led into the Civil War and, and it proper, the declaration of the Civil War, the affirmation of the Tenth Amendment, the secession and then the the forcible readmission uh, reconquering of the United States, which is is what occurred uh, specifically. That is what occurred. So, it, you know, it, it's um, there's, there's a reason in the South that we call it the, the war of northern aggression and very good reason that we call it that. You know, it, it is part of our cultural lexicon. Uh, no matter how much they, that, that tries to be erased, uh, they attempt to erase it. Uh, you know, they, they, there are some things that are never going to die and they're, they're not going to die. They're not going to be reconstructed either. You know, so it, with, with that said, you're exactly right. Your estimation then yesterday morning was exactly right. It continues to be exactly right now that that speech was everything that you and I last night, we, we thought that it was going to be perhaps worse yeah. uh, in some ways. And, and, and in other ways, I think that it was a little bit better. He, he, he certainly dog whistled to his militant base, his paramilitary base that's out there. And we're going to see um, selective terror for sure. That's, that's going to begin. And anybody that doesn't know what selective terror is, uh, please read Michael Collins, the squad. Um, I, I, uh, implore you to read that. It is not a very long read. It is not a difficult read. It, it is something that is easy to digest. Michael Collins himself, uh, was a, a, a pretty simply educated man. And also guerrilla days in Ireland by Tom Barry, which is another uh, book. Tom Barry was a contemporary of Michael Collins and another very important person to pay attention to. And that's going to paint a very real picture of, of the troubles in America that I see unfold. 
polling uh, in the near future. But selective terror coming from the left is absolutely something that is on the plate. And it is something that the president legitimized last night. He absolutely did. Also, uh, uh, I, I like what you did there. The use of the troubles. That was good. Well played. Very well. I like that. Because um, that's what's coming to us. You know, we're, we're going to have a period where we look back at as, as, as the troubles or worse. Or it's either going to be the troubles or it's going to be, you know, Civil War redo, you know. Um, and it's kind of it's, it's scary. And and the when you look at Twitter, because I know you're 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 on there now kind of a little bit. And the, the tweets I see from just your your average what would be classified as normie Democrats are pretty scary as well. Um, and and I've been saying this for some time, particularly about the Antifa folks and then the left that supports them is I feel that these people are, are genuinely disillusioned in that they believe that when they decide it's time for us to go, they're going to just make us go away and that we're all going to walk politely and, you know, calmly and in nice orderly rows into the box cars and the ditches, you know, and, and kneel down to be shot. That's that's how they act. And I don't think they fully appreciate the level of resistance, not just resistance. There will be no quarter. And I really don't think these folks are wrapping their heads around the ultimate consequences of the words they're using at the moment. It's, it's To me, it's terrifying. It, um, I don't want this to happen. Um, I've never been in combat. I don't claim to be, but I do train for it a lot, and I know I can perform. I know that for a fact. So even with that skill set and the tools to do so, I don't want this to happen. I truly don't. But at this point, it's a foredrawn conclusion, in my opinion. Um, I wouldn't call last night's speech the declaration. I said that earlier. I would, I would call last night's speech the intention to announce the declaration of war would be the way I'd see it because there's going to be some, like you said, Fort Sumter event on the horizon. And I was, was talking with this, talking about this a few days ago, some folks, I'm like, there's an event out there. There's a trigger event out there and we don't know what it is yet. And when it occurs, we may not even recognize it for what it is at the moment, but there's an event that's going to occur. That's going to trigger the violence that will follow. And that's just a fact. Yeah. No, I, I agree. And and I think that, uh, unfortunately, the state of affairs in which we find ourselves is that there there's no more conversation to be had with the left. They're not interested in having a conversation. Um, the right in, in many different respects is is interested and very willing in, in every case that I could think of to at least embrace and, and accommodate the left. And they, they've attempted to do so on multiple occasions, at least in the political arena. The left is not interested in doing that. And they're instantly dismissive and, and look down their nose, uh, both ideologically and physically, at anyone that has a dissenting opinion. And so you have this, this purge of opinions that, that they've sought to create, whether it's a marketplace of ideas, social media, uh, the internet presence, what have you, but also in physical spaces with cancel culture, which, you know, cancel culture is kind of uh, died down a little bit. And now, you know, I 
expect within the next 30 days that this is going to ramp up exponentially, that people are going to try and get one another fired, that there's going to be purity tests that we're going to see. Something I talked about last night on Sons of Liberty is that that in the medical profession, what we saw with um, uh, COVID and people who were, uh, you know, apprehensive about experimental vaccines and maybe had a question of, you know, hey, let's let's see how this worked out here. And they were instantly fired and castigated and and were told, you know, in, in many different ways, viral posts that were on social media that were coming from from leftists that worked in the medical profession. You're not worthy of life, quite literally. That's not hyperbole. That's their own words that you are not worthy of life because you have a dissenting opinion. You have a different opinion. You dare to question us that millions of people you're going to kill grandma and you're going to kill all these people if you don't get this vaccine. And now we've got mountains of data that's coming out that actually the opposite was true. But there there have been there's there's a multitude of data out there that that is suggesting that there's a correlation between vaccine injuries and the mRNA gene therapy, which was what was actually happening. And so this this attitude of hubris that they had is being taken to the next level. And for anybody that says that it wasn't partisan politics that were involved there, you're dead wrong. That's exactly what they were doing. So it, it is not a stretch to say that these people will be not just shutting off medical access. And saying you're not worthy of life because you have a dissenting political opinion. You know, we're we're seeing this dog whistled coming out of out of the White House. The White House uh, spokes lady, Karine Jean-Pierre, who who is just who can't even do math. Okay, he doesn't even understand first grade. 10,000 million. (laughs) 10,000 million. I didn't know that this was a number. Okay, in all my years of education, I didn't know that this was a number. Okay, but apparently it is, according to Corinne Jean-Pierre, uh, you know, who wore red today, and and sister, that was a bad look. Yeah, that, that, that yeah, she was a she was a little tone deaf on that one. I think um I think ten thousand million is just below uh godjillion. I, I think it's up there in that frame. A billion D. It's it's right up there with a billion D. Um, a billion D. <laughs> a billion D. I know. How how much more money do we need to give to Ukraine? Ten thousand million. 10, 000, I think 10,000 million and, and they'll, they'll, boy, they'll beat those Russians back to the well, no, In that case, then it's 80,000 million. Cause didn't we just get 8 billion? Uh, um, well, they, they want 13.7 billion more that just came out in, in the past hour uh, since, since we've been on air. And, and that is by the way, for all of the, the boomers that are in the audience, I want you to understand all the boomers that, that still, Pay attention to the legacy media out there and also happen to listen to this podcast, all, all five of you. Um, that is coming out of your pockets. Okay. That's coming out of your pockets. So yeah, that's your social security increases right there, folks. Right. That that is coming out of your pockets. So thank you. Uh, meanwhile, the the uh, Forbes article that I put up earlier today, uh, Fortune rather that I put up earlier today, we are absolutely in a recession. The Treasury Department is saying that they're going to have to restrict bonds, that the interest rate is going to be going up yet again. Um, we're not too far out from seeing austerity measures. And of course, we have the regime in D.C. that is saying that the economy is fine. Uh, meanwhile, on Main Street, you know, we're the ones who are suffering. OK, the lumpen proletariat, you and I, all of us, 
We're the ones who are suffering and we're the ones who are going to suffer the most from all this. So, you know, and, and in pointing out all this and, we, and we're pointing out, you know, the, the, the problem and everything, you know, I like talking about solutions and, you know, you're a person who is an expert in preparedness and getting ready. And, and, you know, you've made a career in sharing your wealth of knowledge out there. What do people need to be doing at this point to take active measures on protection, on community preparedness, and on getting themselves ready for what looks to be an escalating conflict? Yeah, that's, mm, we're all kind of in that boat right now, aren't we? Um, Obviously, everybody needs to be doing the general preparedness stuff, you know, food, water, and water is one I can't emphasize enough. And for everybody that's like, well, the water works in my house and I'm, you know, you live in a cul-de-sac community and um, you have no natural water source and you're reliant on municipal water, that is not going to cut it. Um, You know, there's cities in the U.S. right now, Mississippi, the National Guard's handing out water because the flood flooded their damn water treatment plant and they can't drink their water. So they're being handed water. Um, by the National Guard. And even if you're storing water, if if the place you live in does not have a water source near it, you will have to leave it and go to the water. I just can't stress water enough. Everybody takes it for granted um, and kind of blows it off, but it's not something to take for granted. The next thing that I can't stress enough is you do, and we've heard this meme before, um, I know you have, but you do not have enough hard-hearted friends and you need to make more. Um, you have to sleep at some point, you have to, you know, execute chores around the house, pull security, go fetch water, firewood, whatever it may be. Um, it could even be a trip to the store. You know, we are always acting like things are going to be in absolute chaos and that's not the case. Let's look at Ukraine. We mentioned earlier, a country currently being invaded by Russia and under constant artillery attacks, aerial attacks, um, infantry are, you know, everything. And that society is still functioning to degrees, except obviously on the front line areas. So people think they're going to wake up one day and be like, oh, it's game on. And it's not going to be like that. The game is afoot, folks. It's moving slowly. It's kind of a creeping um, collapse, really is the best way to describe it. Uh, and, And you need to be ready to defend yourself and your family and your community. And for those of you that say, well, I'll deal with it when it gets to my gate, um, that's too damn late. You know, if you're fighting them at your gate, you have your your plans and, and preparations have failed miserably um, because you have no fallback at that point. You, you need to stop them miles from your house, guys. Um, that's where things like area studies, intelligence comes into, into play. You need to know how to do OSINT, open source intelligence. You're following Breastbeater. You already got an idea how to do it. Um, you need to learn how to do um, SIGINT, signals intelligence. You better have some ham radios, some scanners, some shortwave radios and stuff like that. Um, all of this can't be stressed enough. And I know to a lot of people, they're going, well, I can't do all that stuff. That's why you need those hard-hearted friends that have those skill sets. Because you're right. We all, one person can't do everything. You know, I know how to use my radios. I've taken your classes. I've taken other comms classes. Um, but I'm not a radio guru. I'm proficient at the tactical level. That's what I can do with them. And I know that. But I have people surrounding me that are extremely good with them. So if you know where you're lacking in your skill set, you can help fill that void by finding quality people who think the way you do that have those skill sets. That's why you need people. Yeah, well, you know, and on the communications front, I mean, obviously, you know, I I teach a 
a course in that, a very in-depth course. A damn you know, good course, too. A damn good course. Well, thanks, man. Thanks. Uh, you know, and, and I'm not the only guy out there that, that's teaching those skills. I, I do it in, you know, I bring my perspective, my own unique uh, way to do it and, and kind of the, the interpretation of relevance. I would say, you know, there's there's other people, there's folks on YouTube. The biggest thing is, is that you need to be getting out there and doing it. Like, you know, you and I both run into those people that just buy gear and they're like, well, I'll know how to use it when the time comes. Man, you know, you just because you got a hammer doesn't make you a carpenter. Like, you 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 have to be doing this. You have you you got to be regularly doing this. You, you know, and even I run into this a lot too, man. When when you have people that go to class, and then after class, you know they they'll shoot me an email like a month later, and they'll say, hey, you know, I'm going back over all my notes from class, and and I've got all these holes here, here, and here, and like, you know, I don't really know. You know, we, we did this and I know that I did it in class, but now I'm trying to do it again and it's not working out. And it's like, yeah, because you waited a month before you did it again. Yep. You can't just like you can't just pick up, you know, some weights on a bench, work out one time and then you're in shape. Like that's that's not how it works, man. You have well, to be doing it. You do. People <clears throat> fail to realize, you know. Tactical skill sets, firearms. Um, that is a martial skill, okay? Um, even comms, I'm going to call that a martial skill because it, it is a skill set that requires um, constant maintenance and improvement of the skill set. And just like muscles, if, if we set those skills down and we don't utilize them, they will atrophy. So it is a martial skill. Um, that people need to learn, they need to exercise, maintain, and grow at all times. Um, you, 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 like you're saying, you're not going to buy all this shit. I hate doing survival classes where we have students come out, and one of the things we do is a ruck dump. And finding 50% or better of the equipment in their ruck still in the packaging. Number one, it's mind-boggling to me that you're carrying all this extra garbage around with you. Um, but then number two, you've assembled this bag. And you carry it with you everywhere you go with the intention that someday you may need it to save your life. And all you have is a great big bag of questions because you've never used any of this shit. You've never tried it. You've never went and spent a rainy night in the woods with that rucksack to see if you can make it and how comfortable you can make yourself. Um, I tell people all the time, I hate doing this shit. I really do. Um, it, it was it was it's still kind of fun don't get me wrong i love the camaraderie and i, and I love the, the fellowship with people that think the way i do and getting out in the woods is always fun but i can have fun on a beach with a with a you know a, a fruity ass island cocktail in my hands too and, <laughs> uh, and that's a lot more fun than sleeping under a tarp you know what i mean um yeah, yeah. but i do this stuff because i know i need to and i do it begrudgingly because i genuinely it's not a whole lot of fun anymore for me i've done enough of it and i'm you know, I turned 50 years old this month, as a matter of fact. Yeah, 20 days. I turned 50 years Congratulations. old. Congratulations. Yeah, I made it. Who thought? Who'd have thunk? I didn't. Um, but I, I still do the stuff because I know I need to. And and, I, and and now, more than ever, more than ever, um, we we all really need to. Yeah. You know, and one of the things that, that I want to throw in there specifically with regards to communications, but this applies to tactical medicine. This applies to uh, marksmanship skills as well. Frequently, the other thing, and I know you run into this, too, 
and, and I run into this with people that come to class, they'll say, well, you know, so-and-sos are, are if, if it's a group, if, if I'm doing classes for private folks, um, you know, so-and-so is our designated commo guy or so-and-so is our designated medical guy. And then they kind of just defer all of those taskings to that one particular person and they don't do anything else. And it's like, what what I've seen at least is that they, then they'll normally say, well, you know, those communication skills are hard and I have to learn something. I don't have time to do that. So he's just going to do it all for us. Well, look, that doesn't work. So in, in the army, it, it, it's important to have a guy who is a subject matter expert. Yes. He's there to troubleshoot things when it really goes wrong and it will. You know, that that's his role specifically. But in the army, for example, every soldier gets a basic level of competency, or at least they used to. I don't know what the hell they do now. But every every soldier, every person used to get a basic level of competency with your communications equipment. Right. So when you're in basic training, I remember when I was in basic training, I was going through infantry school down at Fort Benning. And that very first time they put a Singar's radio in front of us and said, this is how you put a frequency into it. This is how you talk into it. And it had a little script. Right. And this is what you're going to say. And you had to do it. It was a basic competency skill that you had to have. And you're being tested on this. Every soldier had to know how to do this. Right. Yeah. Does the Army have separate MOSs of guys who are subject matter experts? They go on to an advanced school and they learn or at least are supposed to learn all the things there is to know about that. Yeah. But at a basic level, you got to know how to at least operate your equipment. Right. And so everybody has to do that. Like when you're coming to a group of people, everybody has to know how to build your own shelter. Everybody has to know how to use a freaking knife. You know, that's another thing. Guys will be, you know, they'll come to class. They'll bring these big honking knives looking like, you know, Rambo or something in the woods. And that's fine. I mean, I, you know, I, I've, I've got a lot of knives, too. I think everybody that, that is of a survival mindset has a multitude of different knives. And some of them have different purposes and what have you. But you got to know how to actually use the blade and maintain the blade and sharpen it, you know, and, and those are all prerequisite skills. You got to have all that. And communications is the same way. Tactical medicine is the same way. Physical fitness is the same way. You got to keep yourself fighting shape, you know, and, and I mean, one of the things that I think is, is really crazy is you run into these guys, they're very well-intentioned and I'm not putting anybody down, but if, if you're coming at me and, and, you know, you're easily 300 pounds, and, you know, you're, you're wearing, you know, a, a bunch of gear where you look like a door kicker in Iraq. And, you know, you're, you're, you're talking about, you know, all right, when this happens, we're going to do this or what have you, bro, you're going to have a heart attack. And you, you know, you, you, and this isn't me being mean, you know, you, you have to make some address some underlying issues first before you can do anything else. You know, and, and these are all skills that you got to have, you know, it, it's, you got to be an asset to the team. And another part of that too, is knowing that not everybody's cut out to be a door kicker, man. You know, I'm in my late thirties now 
I'm at the end of my viability of being a a hard charging, war fighting, you know, running and gunning and doing all this stuff, man. You know, I've said it many times. I got a mountain of orthopedic problems that came from a life of doing that in, in you know, my the bulk of my adult life. And you got to be honest with yourself. Now, I can train young guys. I can train stud all day long to do that. And yeah, it, it, when, when we're pushed and I pray every day that that day doesn't come to where we have to do that. But if we do, I can lead those guys. But I'm not going to be the guy that that's that's running and gunning and doing all this stuff. I'm going to be the guy that's teaching the other hard chargers to do that because that's what we're called on to do. And that, that, you know, and, and I'm man enough and secure enough to be, to take that position and say that at this phase in my life, that's what I'm going to have to be doing. I don't need to be the alpha out there again, you know, doing that stuff. I can teach the other guys to do that. I can be a force multiplier. And I think in, in the larger preparedness community and in taking those active measures of preparation, we have to be that. We have to be those force multipliers. I, I agree. I think the um, the Green Bray idea of an ODA of an A-team is, is the approach everybody needs to take. Yeah, you've got your Bravos, your Charlies, Deltas, Echoes, all that stuff. Um, but everybody on the team cross trains. So that, so that if your Bravo yep. gets wounded, you still know how to take that 240 apart and deal with it and fix it if it's down or whatever. You know, or everybody needs to have a basic level of medical skill. Everybody needs to have a basic level of communication skill. Everybody needs a basic level of, of tactical skills. Um, but then they also need the skills of gardening, um, you know, basic uh, repair and things like that um, and getting creative. That's one thing I don't think enough people exercise is the creative sides of their brains because we're going to be entering a time where you're going to have to get very creative to solve problems, like super creative. Um, you know, we, we talk about the, the, the generation that came through the Great Depression and how they don't throw things away and how they learned how to make do. That was in the mm-hmm. 30s. That was 90 years ago, almost 90 years ago. You know, um, there's, there's very few people alive that can still recall that. It's, it's a lost art to us, just like most of the skills that are associated with, with being a man these days are, are, are a dying skill set because of the war on masculinity in this country um it's not toxic mel or oh they call it toxic masculinity yes it's not toxic um everybody needs a little testosterone or you just get weak and and soft (laughs) women real women genuine women i know you know you have a fine lady that prepares you and propels you in life that's been at your side you know mel you know you you you, you have a, a wonderful partner that has been alongside, you know, your life's adventure and, and all of us do, you know, all of us that are so blessed to have that women appreciate a real man. Women appreciate an alpha male. Women appreciate a guy who stands up for them. Chivalry, you know, chivalry and chauvinism, which chauvinism is always used in, in contemporary society in a derogatory way. But I'm going to tell you something. Women appreciate that. Correct me if I'm wrong, but women appreciate that. Women appreciate a man who is going to take care of them. I mean, a- a- am I wrong? 
I like a warrior. <laughs> That's Mel. She's like, I like a warrior. You're right. That's right. There, there is a certain segment of society that wants these these um, omega males, you know. Um, but most real women do not, you, you know. And it's not that they want a boss. They want to know that they have someone they can rely on, someone that they can depend on, and that, that's going to stand up when, when the time comes and not have to be asked to or told to, that will, that will take those steps. Um, and like you said, be a protector. I'm not saying women are defenseless. My wife carries a pistol. She'll shoot you deader than shit. Yeah. Um, but yeah, but I'm will. there to defend I her. Can, I can confirm that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> she, she's a shield maiden. You know, we're, we're blessed. You and I are blessed with with warrior women yep. that will stand up and and say, nah, you know, this isn't happening. This stuff ain't happening. I ain't going for this. And I'm telling you, uh, woe unto he who thinks that they can challenge a warrior woman out there. Dead oh, yeah. my, my, my friends at, uh, up at up at Sage wanted to put Mel in as a fox. Foxtrot, you know, yeah. um, they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, you'd be great for that. And I was like, yes, you would. <laughs> yeah. No, nah, I mean, it, you know, it, there's one of the I think one of the pitfalls, too, though, especially when it comes to uh, feminism, uh, you know, the, the kind of the militant feminist position on different things is they think that they, they it's this this uh, incorrect outlook that. Uh, women have a diminished role in all cases. And that, that's not correct at all. Uh, that's not the outlook that anybody has at all. You know, a real man out there appreciates a woman that also is willing to stand up for herself. And it is saying, you know, hey, I, I, I'm a partner in this fight. We have different roles, though. We have well, different b- things. before we can have this discussion, though, I need you to tell me what is a woman? Because well, yeah, I'm so confused. Actually, well, Matt Walsh, that documentary, um, for anybody who hasn't seen it, I think it's mandatory viewing. That documentary, Absolutely. Actually, um, that, that's excellent. And, and if you want to talk about calling out the left and infuriating them. Oh, yeah. That is that is the way, um, you know, and, and I would say, it, you know, kind of on a, a jovial note. You know, they, they, I had a, a feminist from Canada, of all places, that was trying to troll me on social media about a week ago. And I mean, I totally shut this young lady down. And I mean, I wasn't mean about it or anything. But, you know, I quoted uh, Sasha Baron Cohen from Borat. And said, Give me a smile, cupcake. You know, <laughs> and shut it down. You know, just totally just totally shut it down. You know, it, it's this is nonsense. Yeah. You know, don't don't speak nonsense when when adults are talking here, um, and and that's that. It's not insulting. It's it's just telling you no. This don't we're not going for this. I'm not having this discussion. You know, period. Yep. But what what is a woman? It is that that's mandatory viewing. I think that's mandatory viewing of of anybody. You know, the the it's very ironic that the feminists of the first and second wave are now kind of questioning their own position on stuff because they're like, wait a minute, you know, these, these, uh, these trans folks are, are not really, this is kind of, you know, the, 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 this is, this is, uh, diluting our position on stuff and really challenging 
uh, our position on all this and, and making it, you know, actually making life a lot harder for us because women's athletics. You right. know, and, and what do they call those first and second generation feminists? Now they call them TERFs. So trans exclusionary radical feminists. So now yeah. you are a radical feminist if you believe that only biological women are women. Not, right. well, I feel like a woman today, so therefore I'm a woman today. Um, you know, like like women the world over should have, have burned the, the entire globe to the ground when, um, oh, what's his name, was made Woman of the Year, Bruce Jenner. Oh, yeah. Um, first year he comes out as being a cross-dresser, because that's what I'm going to call it. Um, he uh, he gets nominated to be Woman of the Year. If that wasn't the greatest slap to women the world over, I mean, a man stands up and says, I feel like a woman today, and you can't tell me otherwise. Well, yeah, we can, because, um, you know, I saw well, you on TV. You know, <laughs> you know, though, one thing that I have to point out about that is they never showed his hands. Because you can't hide 55-year-old or however old he was at the time. You know, I, I don't know how old he is, but he's he's older guy. You can't, and he, he's a very large man. Yeah, he's Bruce a big Jenner, Very large man. Very, yeah. very large athlete, powerfully built guy. You can't hide man hands. No, nah, when you can palm a basketball, that don't look good on a woman. No, no, <laughs> and, no, and, and, and. You know, it, it, I mean, I'm sorry. I mean, that, that, you know, and, and to, to point out how far we've fallen as a civilization, I mean, that was one of the big jokes in one of the seasons of Seinfeld was, was man hands. Was yeah. Jerry was dating yeah. a girl that had these, you know, larger than normal hands for a lady. And it, I mean, it was a whole, whole thing. You could never get away with any of that now. No. You could never get away with any of this. That, that's, that's comedy gold. You can't get away with any of that now. You, you know, you have this this woke, angry mob that, you know, that's not funny. And they just want to cancel everybody. Uh, it, and and there's no fun anymore. There's, there's no fun. Nothing is, is fun anymore because yeah. they politicized yeah. it all. You can't have fun anywhere. And, and and I've moved away from calling them the woke mob. Uh, they claim that they're woke. We, we're, we're woke. We woke up and seen what's wrong. That's that's really not the right term. And I've also been saying for years, we need to stop using their language. OK, we, we let them define the words, define the space, and then we're expected to stand in it and defend ourselves. Um, so they're, they're the closed minded group to me because that's what they are. They're extremely closed minded. So, so much so that that simply hearing an alternative idea to them is somehow harmful. Just to hear an alternative idea that they disagree with is harmful to them. Well, they. They call it violence. You know, yeah. they, they label that violence. It's, yeah. it's uh, the, the violence of ideas. And meanwhile, they will threaten us. They, you know, we have the, the sitting president of the United States saying that they're going to use F-15s. He said to all the brave right-wingers out there who want to take on the government, we have F-15s. This is something that the left has continuously said. This is something that uh, uh, Barack Obama joked about at one of the White House press dinners, 
um, said, you know, he and he was making a joke. It's not funny at all. He was making a joke about people dating his two daughters and say, you know, I, I want to remind you of something drone strikes. And this is coming from the president that authorized more drone strikes than any other president in history, uh, including two American citizens, by the way. Now, yep. I'm not taking up for Anwar al-Awlaki or his son because of, of what they were doing. But what I will say is this. They were American citizens. OK, and if we knew where they were and, and given the assets that we have operating in Yemen, especially at the time, he could have been rolled up. He could have been brought back to the United States and tried. But they didn't do that. They didn't do that. Instead, they assassinated him. You know, and, and that begs the question, too, of, you know, why the, you know, the, the, uh, the CIA operates drones as well. They have their own armed drone force. Well, I didn't know that the CIA was an armed force. Uh, this is, you know, I understand Title 50 and Ground Branch. Very familiar with that world. But th this is these are all things. And, and the irony is, is that the left called these things out at the time and now they cheerlead on it. It was political selectivity and, and the selectiveness of the language. That's that's a very dangerous point that inflection point that we have entered now here in the United States. Yeah, but you, you can look back. And there's a there's a tweet out this morning, 10 minutes of, of Democrats denying elections, um, you know, and they referred to Trump as an illegitimate president all through 2016. Um, but then when Biden was elected, how dare you judge the the efficacy of our elections? You know, how dare you do that? And so now they're setting the table just in case they lose. We'll see. Say, see, we told you they were going to cheat. They cheated because that's the only explanation for why they won. There's no other explanation, not not that the people are sick of our terrible policies that are destroying this country, um, not that they're sick of the divisiveness that we continue um, to encourage. Um, they're not sick of none of that. They had to cheat to win. And that's the only explanation. So right. that it's back to that whole I have spoke, therefore to so analogy. And and here's the other side for all those saying that we need F-15s and shit to fight the American government. Well, recent history demonstrates that if we can simply hold them for 20 years, they'll give us all the weapons we need and leave the ball field. So, well, who's going to be flying these and where are they going to land? You know, who, who's <laughs> going to refuel them? This is I mean, it's it's asinine to suggest where where is your fighting force going to come from? Yeah, because right now the reality is that the United States military has a crisis on hands where yeah. they, they cannot recruit new people. The RTC departments across the board have record low, record low. This is including the Vietnam era, by the way, record low attendance, record low in enrollees. They cannot give away enough scholarships out there. Folks, I get emails I get contacted from a lot of career officers who are retired now. Okay, officers, not commissioned officers as well, but commissioned officers who retired that were not necessarily at the flag rank, but very close to it. Okay, field grade officers who reach out to me very regularly. And they're all saying the same thing. 
Where's your fighting force going to come from? And it's across all branches, by the way. It's not just the Army. It's not just, you know, the Navy or, or just the Marine Corps exclusively to any one branch. It's all of them. Where's your fighting force going to come from? And further, there's a train-up time. There's a maintenance time. You know, all your Chinooks, by the way, and, and I'm speaking to all those leftists right now who are saying, you know, we're going to do this, that, and the other. We're going to have the military do this, that, to you, whatever. All this scare tactic stuff, this projection is fantasy. Right now, all of your Chinooks across the services grounded. are all grounded. Every single one of them. All of the Ospreys are grounded. So your medium transport capability, which were the workhorse of both Iraq and Afghanistan, are now all grounded. Yeah, all your all your heavy VTOLs are sitting on the ground with, with fucking red flags hanging on everything. In the Marine Corps, the Amtraks, right? The Amtraks, the amphibious track yep. vehicles, the ones that we removed from service because the ones sank because they didn't do the maintenance on it. Right. The seal ruptured. It wasn't inspected properly. That was yep. what happened. So we grounded all of them. What did we do? We got rid of them all. And we said that, hey, General Dynamics will provide a new vehicle. Well, guess what? They just canceled that program. Did anybody pay attention to this? They just canceled that program. So that's armor right there. That's gone. Yep. OK. All of our munitions are HMARS or HIMARS. Right. We sent all those to Ukraine. Javelins. Yeah, so you've got Lockheed Martin that's saying, well, yeah, yeah, or uh, Raytheon rather, saying that, okay, we can replenish the, the Javelin. Okay, the, the stockpiles of Javelins, sure, can you replenish them? Yeah. All right, but they didn't give a timeline on that. What do they need? They can't get, they can't get components. They can't get the components. Where do the components come from? China. Taiwan. Taiwan, okay. Ta specifically Taiwan. The mm. microprocessors, they come from Taiwan. The rare earth elements that are needed for, for the computer chips to guide those munitions. Where are they coming from? Taiwan. What's the place that's about to be hotly contested? Taiwan. Taiwan. Yeah. They, they don't have a timeline. They don't have an answer for all this. So where's your fighting force going to come from, left? Well, that, come that from? and they're sending not just high Mars and Javelins. They're telling SF groups now to, to box up equipment that's being shipped. They're pulling high well, Mars units. Out of out of Marine Corps line units, taking them from them to send them to Ukraine. Yep. We we are eviscerating our own military, and for the for this proxy fight with Russia, because that's all the Ukraine thing is is a proxy fight with Russia. That's it. Um, and we're arming the shit out of them, and and Putin's telling us he's like, you guys are getting dangerously close to being an actual, um, you know, um, belligerent. Yeah, belligerent in, in this fight. Yep. Exactly. Thank you. And. The most dangerous part about all this is, is that NATO, all this is predicated upon NATO cohesion, right? There was this scramble to get all these, all the Scandinavian countries in NATO, right? Well, NATO now cannot give an answer on exactly how they are going to supply their energy needs all across Europe. And we're seeing early fractures right now between Poland and Germany. Poland called in. They're war reparations. Why? Because they are broke. Because they don't have any money. And NATO doesn't have an answer. Oh, and by the way, Russia said that, hey, Nord Stream 2, guess what? It's shut down. So is Nord Stream shut 1. Down. Yep. Done. Done deal. Down. So 
and Germany yeah. and, and German industry is is just tanking. I mean, it's cratering right now. Um, yep. The UK is anticipating civil unrest in the streets over energy bills, and and we've all seen some of those pictures. A coffee shop with a ten thousand dollar light bill, well, yeah. pound light bill. Um, so it's even more than ten thousand dollars. It's even more than ten thousand dollars, right? You can't but, you can't afford to breathe at that point. But what's funny in those is you see those pictures on Twitter holding their light bill for $10,000 and bitching about how can this be possible? Then you look at their name and right beside it is a Ukraine flag. And it's like, do you people not understand the way you're being played? You know, they're just being played. They don't get it. I pointed out on the the last council on foreign con- or uh, future conflict rather with Joe Dolio and and uh, uh, that crowd uh, Mike Bennett uh, Mark Sibley they, uh, all those authors uh, that I was on with I was very honored to be a part of that I'm going to be on uh, with them again in, in the near future but um, the thing that I pointed out is is the most pragmatic step that NATO could make right now absent the United States they need to do this outside of the 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 united states aim because we we're asleep at the wheel here and and we're we've made it very clear that we're not going to petition for peace but nato needs to take steps right now to create a two-state solution in ukraine and have a cessation of hostilities that's going to be what they're going to need to do and that's going to lead to major and because they haven't done that, that that's going to lead to major problems within NATO and an eventual fracturing that I see occurring. And, and it's going to happen quick. Um, you know, here we are. This is the beginning of September. I don't want to give a timeline on this per se, but being familiar with with winter in Europe, I would say that that by January, February, they're already telling Germans that get used to taking cold showers. You know, yep. hey, first world country becoming a third world country, that's not going to fly for very long. No. Not without major ramifications. And it's already costing us here. Look at California. They yep. banned the the sale of internal combustion engines after 2035. And they come out yesterday and say, oh, yeah, and by the way, don't charge your electric cars either. Right. It's right. The, 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 the lunacy that is at play here. Um, and, and Europe is caught in the middle of this. I feel for the people over there. Um, they, they, they failed to realize how critical Russia was to their very existence. And I mean that exactly like that, um, from energy and food to you name it, they're cut off now. Um, and, and most people don't realize Europe has zero petroleum stores, except in the North Sea. UK has got access to a little bit. Up in Finland and Norway, up that way, they have some drilling rigs and stuff, too, but they're all in the ocean. Um, Norway is now trying to supply gas to, to Europe, but they can't come close to what Russia was supplying. And now, and now the Germans are buying Russian gas that was purchased by the Chinese, liquefied, put on tankers, and sent all the way around from China, around the Horn of Africa, back up to Europe to make it even more expensive. Right. It's it, it's just they're lunacy. not going to be able to afford it. No, they they will not be able to afford it. Um, and we're going to see some some epic civil unrest, I think, in Europe. Um, the Europeans on the whole are some fairly quiet people, but we look back through their history, they've got a record of some pretty serious revolutions and stuff. 
Um, yep. They're quiet until they're not. Exactly. And when they're not, heaven forbid the chaos. And, and that that's hurts. what the left doesn't realize here. When they make those of us that don't want to get involved in this shit get up off the couch and get involved, it's going to be a really, really, really bad day. Really, all we want is to be left alone. We just, just look, stop yelling at me. Stop calling me. I ain't done nothing to nobody. Leave me alone. Let me live my life, and I'll leave you alone. I promise. But right. no, they can't have that. You know, they can't they're, do it. Apostasy is is verboten in in the religion of the left, in the religion of Marxism. Oh yeah, it, yeah. It, it it there cannot be any any dissent, and it's a sad state of affairs. But brother, you know. We've, we've talked about all this. We've discussed all this. And, and you know, there's active measures in preparation. And, and you know, you've pointed it out. Um, where, for, for the, the handful of people who aren't familiar with your work, uh, and, and I do say very small handful because <laughs> you, you are a household name and a national treasure. Uh, but where, where can people find you? Where can people follow you? Uh, so you can find me on all the typical social media stuff, you know, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Uh, I don't stray off to the newer platforms too much, um, but you can find them there. Uh, my website's too, angeramerican.com.net's forum. Um, I'm not in there really because we're getting ready to rebuild that website, but it's, it is there. But if people want to holler at me, Facebook's a good way to do it. Um, I watch that. And Mel watches it for me too. I try to answer everybody, but it's getting more and more difficult. But yeah, and you can find the books on Amazon, you know, going home, just put an A American, comes right up and uh, you can get them that way. So. Amen, brother. Amen. Well, it has been, as always, yet another incredible interview and a damn good time as I've sat here and smoked my Monte Cristo cigar. Hell yeah. Um, I I always have a good time. Always have a good time talking with you, man. Um, You know, we're we're of like minds. Um, but not only do we, are we of like minds, you're just a, you're a damn good dude and a whole lot of fun to hang out with, man. And, and for those out there who have not taken a training class from brush beater, I cannot stress it enough. And one of the reasons that, that he's on my short list of, of instructors that I'll always go to is because he'll be the first to tell you, I don't care where you get trained, just get trained. Um, you know, like you said earlier, there's other guys out here doing this stuff too. We don't care where you get some training from. Just get some training. Um, yeah. And and the window's closing on that, folks. Um, I do expect to see legislation coming out of the feds about that very topic. States are doing it quietly in a few places. Um, but I expect to see some kind of a national effort to shut down training like that. Yeah, I see it, too. Um I see it too. It and the window is closing on on prepping. The window is closing on getting the supplies you're going to need. I expect that the language is going to change as far as uh, preppers. Preppers are going to be demonized as hoarders. We we saw some telegraphing of this back during COVID, but I think that language is is definitely going to ramp up as the economic situation deteriorates. Fortunately, though. We have class. We got the scout course. 
you know, Angry American here, Chris Weatherman, is hosting it. He's hosting me, the scout course, the small unit tactics, and marksmanship course that we're going to be having in North Florida. I think, um, you know, anybody out there, any patriotic American needs to take advantage of this training while you can. The class that I have on the calendar in October is over capacity. And, um, you know, and so the next opportunity you're going to have is in November. You need to get in on that. You need to get in on that class and take it seriously, folks. Take it seriously because it might be the last opportunity you get. We got classes obviously on the calendar in 2023. I'm scheduling things a year out, but you know, a year is a long period of time. You need to take the bull by the horns now. Absolutely. Cause like you said earlier too, winter is approaching and when the ground freezes in Eastern Ukraine, it's going to be a different conflict than it is right now. Um, which is going to put stress on us domestically. We're going to have, we're going to be coming out of a rather contentious midterm election at that point. Um, it is getting scary. And on the the point too of the scout rifle class, man, if you guys, if you live in a flatland area, all right, I've taken your class up in North Carolina with you and it was great, but we don't have hills like that where I live. So getting some training on Appalachian that very much resembles your AO is important. Oh yeah. Appalachistan, man. I love it. Alan's actually got a map of Appalachistan at the house. And I think That's it's right. awesome. That's right. But, but yeah, you've got to get out there and train and, and training on ground. That's, that's like I said, is similar to your AO is very important. I'm actually looking forward to this down here in Florida on the flat ground. It's going to be an interesting class. I am too. I am too. With that said, brother, it is always an honor to have you on, uh, and always an honor to, to sit down, enjoy an afternoon, um, you know, and, and get your take on things because it, it is incredibly invaluable and I think gives a lot of people a lot of guidance. For everybody else out there, check out the books, get the training, take all the stuff to heart, folks. God bless you. May you continue to take up that torch of liberty. It is not dead. And I want you all to keep in mind, just as I said last night, that if you were not winning, if we were not winning, they wouldn't be working as hard as they are. They wouldn't be propagandizing as hard as they are. We're going to win this, and it's going to take a lot of work on the part of all of you out there. We're all in this together. God bless you, and I'll talk to you again very, very soon. Zensi Scout, out. Zen,